Hello, and thank you for joining us on our seventh episode of Ask a Fellow, PAEA's one and only podcast. Today, we're joined by Lynn Horshack and Lauren Stichter. Lynn is a retired art educator and PAEA fellow and was the moving force and founder of the Masters in Art Education program at Moore College of Art and Design. After Lynn's retirement, Lauren took over Lynn's role as the Director of Art Education and Assistant Professor at the college. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as we had having it. Hello, Lynn. Thank you for joining us today for Ask a Fellows podcast. Everyone, we are trying something new today. We have not just one person joining us, but we have two additional people. We have retired art educator and PAEA fellow, Len Horishak, and we have Lauren Stichter from Moore College of Art and Design, and uh, sort of Lynn's um, protege, perhaps. So Lynn and Lauren, thank you for joining me. I am so grateful to have you both here and try something new with me. How are we doing today? We're fine. Thanks. It's really a fun and an honor to be here, Leslie. Thanks for asking. And Leslie, I am always on board with having conversations with Lynn. She is a delight to spend time with. I agree. I agree. And I'm so excited and looking forward to this time with you, you both this uh, lovely afternoon here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So um, I first wanted to just share um, kind of a fun anecdote of when I first met Lynn. Uh, I don't get to talk a lot on these podcasts too much because I, I like for the fellows to tell their stories. But I just think this is the most interesting and cute story about Lynn and her husband, Will, and how we met. And that was uh, eight years ago. It was about when I first started in the district, right before I began. Um, So eight or nine years ago, I was at a friend's taco party that they do every night or every every year they would do a taco night. And um, Lynn and Will were there, except I didn't know who Lynn is, was, is. And uh, I didn't know her position at Moore at the time. I knew nothing about her. I just knew that she was a neighbor of our friend Andy and uh, his wife, Tanner. And uh, and it was just a strange connection. But like I was, I talked to Lynn a little bit, not a lot, but I talked to her husband a lot. <laughs> uh, Lynn went home. Will stayed behind. And Will has a reputation um, at these taco nights for making people cry not like out of um uh, out of negativity but like he gets deep and emotional with them (laughs) so I was like forewarned and I was like I'm not gonna cry why would I cry sure enough I cried about something (laughs) it was like just a little bit I don't (laughs) but I just thought it was so funny and then I don't know maybe a year later is when I found out um who Lynn is what her position was at Moore and and then we connected and uh, we developed the what is now the Philadelphia Art Teacher Alliance. So Lynn has a very special place in my heart, as does her husband, Will. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that little story about how I met Lynn Morishak at a taco night randomly. And our paths are forever entangled now. <laughs> That's such a great story. <laughs> Did you know to... that about Will? No, no, I'm going to have to ask him. What he did to make people cry. He's a sweetheart, mind you, but wow. Yes, I just think he likes to have really deep personal conversations with people and you know that just dredge up some memories and mm. I don't know. Oh. I should have known I'm I'd cry. I'm a crybaby. So. <laughs> don't 
come on. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so again, yeah. Thank you for joining Lynn. Um, I first wanted to just ask you about your entryway into art education. Uh, how did you get here? Well, art education. Um, I like most art educators. I think it started when we were little with a love of art and, um, I distinctly remember to this very day that in elementary school, the traveling art teacher came to my elementary school on Thursdays, and I was never absent on a Thursday. I had to be in school to be in art class. And then, um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but at that young age in elementary school, they would put up an exhibition of the artwork um, near the end of the year. And I always counted to see if I had the most pieces of artwork up. So anyhow, and maybe it was the beginning of a little bit of competitiveness, but also it really um, sparked my love for art. And um, I went on, um, I didn't have any art in high school. So um, my parents' friend kind of kept me going with it. And um, I got accepted to more. College of Art and Design, which was really great that I ended up there. But anyhow, I got accepted to more. Um, and in the year between my senior year and going into more, I was an exchange student to the Netherlands and went to an art academy like thing over there. So um, art has always been part of my life, you know. Um, and I, I dare say, I think that's for most of us, you know. We and and. It just came in my mind. I just want to say that I resented a lot in college that I was kept being told that I was not an artist because artists aren't art educators. It really annoyed the hell out of me. Oh, I don't know if I could say that, but it really did. So when I grew up and um, after my elementary school teaching and started teaching in college, that was a big thing that I wanted to impart to my students that they are artists and don't let everybody tell you that you're not, you know, so, yeah. I feel you on that. I had a professor who thought art education was the wrong track for me and that I should follow the path of being an artist. I'm like, why can't I be both? Yeah, so. yeah. And that was difficult because a lot of my students grabbed my BFA students, art ed students were told that exact same thing, Leslie, that, you know, you don't belong in art education. You belong over here in fine arts or ceramics. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for verifying that. Right. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Happy to. Yeah, totally. And I'll, I'll, I will add that like, un unfortunately, when I was in college in the late nineties, um, we were still getting the same message as art educators. Um, and I, see it in practice at times today too I um yeah it's it's unfortunate we have to know we actually have to know all of the art <laughs> to become art educators <laughs> so to say that we are not fully equipped and well-rounded artists is a little bit slanderous in my opinion exactly right yeah so Lynn um once you became a teacher I know you were in the school district of Philadelphia for 20 something years right 36 36, oh, I was way off. <laughs> oh, gosh. 36 years in the school district of Philadelphia. One of the things that always um, struck a chord with me when we first started talking education in our like teacher meetings that we were having at Moore 
um, was that you felt really connected with staying invested in the schools in the school district, even in the you know quote unquote tougher schools. Um, you felt that those kids needed you, and that if you showed up repeatedly and had a presence, that you would gain their trust and make a difference in their lives. And that has that's one of the reasons I think I stuck with the school district of Philadelphia is because your words and your encouragement and everything oh. you said. Um, so if you could speak to sort of your experience in the school district of Philadelphia and working in maybe some tougher conditions, what that was like. Well, let me say to begin with is that working in tough schools in Philadelphia is not for everybody. And there's no shame in saying, I try this and it's not working. And however, um, there really is some truth to just showing up. Um, and I learned that kind of early on. I actually read an article about it from somebody somewhere about just showing up and how important it was to show up. And the kids knew that I wasn't going, I wasn't going away. That I, I think that there were so many people in their lives that stopped showing up for them for many reasons, from imprisonment to illness to death to all kinds of reasons. And, and I would show up early and kids, I mean, I was this little white middle-class kid from Trucksville. I knew nothing about the inner city and the kids really taught me about it. Um, I would come early because I needed to in order to get my supplies ready and stuff like that. And when the kids realized I was there early, they would show up in my classroom half an hour before school started. And they would either help me or I would give them artwork to do. And I heard stories then um, that educated me to how their lives were and how hard their lives were. So um, I started saying after school too, until my principal told me, no, you gotta go home with the rest of us. I don't want you staying here too late after hours and stuff. But coming early was, um, I, I think that was one way of um, the kids and I connecting, you know, they knew I was gonna be there and I was, and it really worked to my advantage in my relationship, building a relationship with them. Yeah. And also what's in my mind, I have to say this, I, I would make some samples of, of, of projects and I'd put them on the blackboard then, not a whiteboard, it was a blackboard in the day uh, behind my desk. And the kids would say, oh, what's that? Can we make that? And that was my motivation. I mean, I had it right there because they saw what they could do and wanted to do it. And it was helpful, it was helpful. So not that every day was peaches and cream, mind you. There were days I left crying. I did, I left crying, and, but I always went back, so yeah. That's what counts, always going back. And Lauren, you taught in the school district for a few years before assuming your position, which we'll get into what your position is and how that relates to Len momentarily, but um, any connections or relations there you can draw for us? Yeah, and, and uh, to I think that the Pennsylvania School for the Deaf, which is where I taught for about 15 years, is like connected to the district, but not a school district school does that make sense yeah <laughs> yeah I just want to like make sure I'm careful about that too it's a it's a private school that's publicly funded so it's free for all kids we've got tons of district kids 
Um, but we didn't like follow the district, um, all of the protocols necessarily specifically. I hope I'm saying that right for the PSD folks. But um, <laughs> yeah, so before I was at the School for the Deaf, one of the reasons I felt like I could actually do that work beyond getting certified in American Sign Language was I did my practicum work with Lynn and I was placed with her specifically because she was well known in the district as um, really using inclusive practices early on, specifically for children who identify within the disabilities community. Um, and I remember walking, you know, I was going up there one day a week, it's the semester before you start your student teaching. And I walked in and this woman who's not the tallest in stature, shall we say, is just commanding this room of like, you know, 30 plus kids. Every kid is engaged, every kid is involved. Um, they all like are immediately silent. She's like, hello, you know, hey. You know? <laughs> and I just like, I want to know what magic this person has. And um, and so that's like, that's how I started following Lynn's work and, and staying close to her. Um, and it, she's she still has that power when she walks in a room today, for sure. But it's pretty, it was impressive to see, you know, uh, especially as a young pre-service art educator. I was like, that's, that's who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I want to learn how to do this because she had this, you know, not only, you know, certainly having that like authority in the room and doing it with like a kind and commanding voice, um, but really just seeing every kid involved. There were other places that I went to observe and kids would like get pushed in from the special ed department and they're like in a corner doing coloring pages the whole time. And, and unfortunately that was like kind of standard practice for a while, but like in Lynn's class, everyone was just doing everything all the time. And I was like, how is this happening? Um, it's really incredible. Well, that is a great segue into what Lynn did at Moore College of Art and Design. So Lynn, you at some point um, began teaching at Moore College of Art and Design, so you can educate us a little bit more about that and how you began the program that is so special that lives on at Moore and that Lauren is now um, head of. Yeah. And boy, is she doing a great job. I am so proud of her. Um, I started adjuncting at Moore while I was still teaching my little kids. Um, so I worked at Moore a couple nights a week because the art education classes were in the evening, so I could do that. And it was, I didn't really realize as it was going on, but I could come to my college students with up-to-date anecdotes of what's happening in my art room, real life stuff, you know, that just happened four hours ago. So I was adjuncting and then I was, I retired from the school district and I was asked to, um, to chair the art education department because that person had left and now they asked me to do it. So <laughs> I said, okay, now that was part of my problem or my good stuff was saying okay all the time so I said okay you know I can I'll do that and don't you know it was the year that the art education department was being accredited by the state which I really had no idea what to do so they got it postponed for a year so I could at least figure out where the mail room was it was like whoa you know all of a sudden so um that went really nicely getting accredited was it was hard hard work but as lauren knows now it was hard work and, yeah. and um but that was done so i'm chair of art education i'm teaching classes 
And I passed the president of the college who at that time was Happy Fernandez. I remember like it was yesterday, passing her in the hallway. She's coming from the cafeteria, I'm going to the cafeteria. And I said, you know, Happy, I said, we need a master, master's program in art education. Okay, she said, do it. I went, oh, okay, okay, all right, all right, okay. Um, so how does one do that? So I go to this meeting of people who are preparing stuff in Harrisburg, um, administrators from all over the state, and they're using terminology that this elementary art teacher had no idea what they were talking about, different kinds of words and abbreviations. And I had to write them all down to check them out later, but it worked out all right. So um, a colleague at Moore, Claudine Thomas, was really, really helpful in researching and helping me out with writing for this program. And she came to me one day early on. She said, Lynn, she said, um, there's no place we can copy. This is it, girl. You're the only one that has this program in the United States. I went, oh, okay. So instead of copying from somebody, we were going to be ones people were going to copy on. So I, I thought about what I would want in a graduate program as an art teacher. That's what I did. I was lucky that Moore gave me a year to pull it together. Um, and I visited a lot of places, including Philadelphia School for the Deaf, where Lauren, who I knew when she was in my classroom as Engels, and I asked if I could speak to the art teacher at the Philadelphia School for the Deaf, and they said, sure. So Lauren gets on the phone, and I said, can I come and observe your class? She goes, well, you let me observe your class, so I guess I can let you come observe my class. So that was how we got reconnected and reacquainted then. So um, it just there's been tweaks in the class in the in the in the schedule, and of course in some faculty um, and in the name. And Lauren has just done a, just a great job in taking what was a basis. I knew I wanted to retire when this was out of its toddler stage and was healthy. And so Lauren has taken it through adolescence and um, it's, I'm so proud of it and her. I, yeah, I, I just I have to say that I am, um, when I was in the midst of all of this, the first couple of years it was going, I didn't have time to sit back and think about what was happening, about us being the only one, about what we were doing. And the graduate alumni were just going on to do fantastic things, which really made me pause to think, this is working. You know, this is really working. So, whew, William's not even here and I'm getting teary-eyed, okay. So now I, I purposefully didn't say the name of the program, one, because I butcher it every time I try to say it but I also noticed you didn't say it so I want to um, ask you to describe what this program was what the master's degree was for that made it so special that you weren't able to copy someone else's and that your program became the template for others well the state requires that if you have a emphasis in a program that you can't have another one with the same emphasis within I'm not exactly sure I'm right on this anymore, but say 50 miles. So we're surrounded by a whole bunch of colleges here. 
So when I was talking to my Claudine, I, she said, well, you know, what's your passion? I said, my passion is teaching kids with disabilities. Oh, well, okay, then that's what we'll go with. I said, okay. And that's when she started checking it out and couldn't find anything. So after a lot of back and forth with everybody in the universe about what this name should be, we came up with this long name, which was, I'm happy to say was, um, uh, Masters in Art Education with an emphasis in special populations, which covered everything. I even wanted it to cover the elderly, you know? Um, and so that was it until last year when Lauren, this year, when Lauren had this brilliant idea and the new name is Lauren. <laughs> so we're actually, so we're, we're our uh, students are graduating tomorrow evening. So after our, that cohort finishes and they will graduate under the master's in art education with an emphasis in special populations. And I will say too, the language is appropriate for the time. Like we were, you know, language is constantly changing. I'm going to say right here and now in five, 10 years, we might change this title again, or we might just become the master's in art education program because hopefully we'll be well known enough for the work that we do that we don't need to have a huge title for it. Right. But, um, so, uh, it'll be, we're turning into the master's in art education with an emphasis in inclusive practices, uh, because, uh, Lynn did actually launch that term special populations, at least for our graduate program to include, a wide range of demographics of students. And that includes, you know, children who identify in the disabilities community and a lot of our, the core of how we train folks is still in that area. But we saw a lot of our own graduate students on their own wanting to identify that as like, well, what if I wanna focus on inclusivity for students who identify in the LGBTQ community? Or what if I wanna talk about, you know, um, English language learners or English as a second language, you know? Um, and we certainly saw a lot of, um, wonderful movement around like the Black Lives Matter movement and how that's impacting art and art educational experiences. And so our students on their own um, within that space that Lynn originally created and made, allowed that flexibility of definition, uh, turned it into that kind of work. Um, and we still see some thesis around disability studies, but uh, there's a lot more variety than there used to be for sure, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanna um, add to that um, something that I think was important in designing the program is, first of all, I wanted a studio class, which we have and had and still have, because I want to make an impact that you're artists, you know, just like we were talking about before. And second of all, I didn't want the students to graduate and then put all their knowledge under a barrel. I wanted them really to encourage them to go out and spread what they have learned and educate other people. And so part of that was a research thesis. And the thesis the students have been writing or has been writing and presenting all over the world has been exceptional. So um, I'm glad that that research part was, was in there. I feel like you're just giving me the perfect segues because I want to speak about PAEA, of course. This is a PAEA podcast, um, the Pennsylvania Art Education Association. And I think from when I first started going to PAEA conferences, I noticed a heavy presence by more graduates uh, presenting their thesis work and research topics. And um, 
that I always found really like a, a magical experience, really enlightening um, and motivating for me and in, in my own work and that I, I do in the district to see uh, people who are in school or had just graduated with the confidence to get up there and present their work. Um, and I think that's a lot to, to, to what you and Lauren have both instilled in those students. Um, so your role in PAEA, Lynn, if you want to speak about that a little bit, um, how you ended up getting involved with PAEA. Well, actually, I'm sad to say that it took me a while to become involved in PAEA, that I, as a young teacher, I was not involved with it. And I, and I certainly would encourage all new teachers to go to conferences to become involved in PAEA because it is a font of information, of celebration, of everybody, all new all to our teachers should belong to PAEA without doubt. So I um I was nominated for outstanding higher education teacher, whatever. Can I just say, I love that Lynn always has a hard time recalling which award we're talking about because <laughs> she has, like understandably so many, but she's like, I don't remember which award that was. <laughs> I love that. Like, that's so amazing. Like, oh, I don't know. It was oh, that geez. one award I got back then. <laughs> um, anyhow, um, it, 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 maybe it was through that and through friends that I, well, that's not quite true. Um, I guess going to conferences and presenting, you know, you go to conferences and you meet people and, and you become um, encouraged by them and in turn you encourage them. And it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to spend a weekend. So don't forget to come to Philadelphia this October. Yay, yeah, PAA a conference plug. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that encouragement of other members, board members, uh, especially. Definitely how I, I started to take on more leadership. Your encouragement included, <laughs> both of you, <laughs> would not be where I am if it weren't for um, such amazing women like you in my lives. Um, can I add something, Leslie? That Please. That, that Absolutely. That I just feel like, um, I, I hope I don't speak too much for Lynn on this, but like, I think Lynn and I are always like a little surprised when we like someone saw Lynn, like happy Fernandez is like, I see you. I see what you're capable of. You can be the chair of this department, jumping right out from a K to 12 art educator and teaching one or two adjunct classes. Oh, also you can just like create a whole graduate program. And I think that art teachers, and maybe I'll just speak for myself, are desperate to be seen at times, right? And so um, I always say like, our teachers are low hanging fruit. Like we just need to like hand them a beer and a slice of pizza. And they're like, yeah, this is amazing. Thank you for seeing me. You know? <laughs> um, which should not be the practice, right? Obviously. And so what can we do? Lynn sees people and elevates them because she was seen in, in those moments at Moore and, and many other places. And in turn, I got to experience that too. And so I think that it really is this pay it forward mentality that I do believe a lot of our teachers have because they know what it feels like to not feel seen. And, um, and also to like, 
make easier paths for elevating your career if you want to. And so specifically spending time in our graduate program to, we spend weeks practicing our presentations because I want our students to feel ready to present at PAEA. It is a part of like our curriculum that we spend time presenting and practicing that um, because we just want them to feel safe and seen out there as leaders. And they do, they go on to do some really incredible things as much as they want to, you know, but I think it's that seen part that's really key um, that Lynn has done so well and many of us have benefited from greatly. Absolutely. I, um, I do have to, sorry, I just want to add to what Lauren said. Is, I mean, that was a byproduct of the grad program that I hadn't thought about. A lot of things I didn't think about. I just like boing, went through it. Was that the students came back as leaders in their school and in their district, they started giving presentations on teaching kids with special needs. Teachers started coming to the art teacher to get help with the student. And wow, that was that was wonderful. That's wonderful. So yeah, absolutely. As art teachers, we we are like our own little leaders. We're often by ourselves. We have to lead our own way, pave our own path. And, and you both have just really been great at empowering teachers to to do that and to have their voice heard, not just to be seen, but to have their voices heard. And, and that, I guess, now brings me to what is now the Philadelphia Art Teacher Alliance. And it probably wouldn't exist if Lynn hadn't tapped me at some point and said, hey, would you be interested in coming to a monthly meeting um, with art teachers? We used to do this years ago, but it kind of fell by the wayside. And uh, I'd like to start that back up if you're interested and could help me out. And I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. I'll send out all the letters to the art teachers in the school district, make sure the flyers or whatever, make sure they can get the information. And, um, you know, we started out with like a little humble group of four or five of us that kept showing up repeatedly. And then, um, and then Lynn was retiring <laughs> and she was like, but you should still keep doing this. And, uh, my, and uh, you know, I couldn't see myself at that moment as being, uh, 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 I don't know, like at, at a top or top level like that in some way, like bringing everyone together, even though I had kind of already been doing that, but there's that empowering again, uh, Lynn, you know, saying do this and then Lynn introducing me to Lauren and Lauren being like, Leslie's the president of the Philadelphia Art Teacher Alliance. And I was like, that's such a weird word. Nobody elected me in. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of do this thing. I take it over and I do it. <laughs> but again, it was, that made me feel empowered. It was so obvious to me, Lauren, uh, um, Leslie, because you would come to those first few meetings when there were like straggling four or five of us, always bring food. And it was, it was just... Um, obvious to me that as I continue to step back into the corner and then out of the room that you were just very capable of taking that on so hey you know that was good I had no doubt that it was <laughs> going to be wonderful so good yeah well, I was nervous as all heck but uh you know we figured it out <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so I mean you were hugely pivotal in uh and important in the in the 
progression of what the Philadelphia Art Teacher Alliance is. So I'm forever grateful, as I'm sure many other teachers who come to those meetings, who I hopefully in turn empower when I when they come to me with an idea of what to do with the meeting. I'm like, yes, please lead the meeting. Um, so as we continue to grow, you know, like that that rubs off. It, it's being paid for plenty. Um, I, so, Leslie, yeah. I think it does. Like even just the so we hosted PAE conference in 2016 at, in Philadelphia at Moore and. The ownership that the the Philadelphia Art Teacher Alliance had over that conference, I mean, they showed up in numbers, not only to like support the event and volunteer and do all the things and make Google Maps so we could get to all the galleries, like all the amazing things that they did, but like our numbers for the conference like shot through the roof that year <laughs> because Philly art teachers already felt connected to each other and empowered to do the work and then to like welcome others into that space. And I think that's work that you did, Liz. And I want to commend you for that for sure. And you continue to do that. Yeah. Hopefully. Try to try to get that same energy for this year, though. I fear it's gonna be so hard with this. I don't want to get negative. You stay right where you are, you pandemic. You you right. don't do anything else. Don't mess right. this up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Lauren, I'd like to see if you have any questions that you want to poke at Lynn with. Oh, I would love to <laughs> throw you on the spot. <laughs> well, I think to like, um, Lynn is still a practicing artist and she has always maintained that work. I mean, I'm sure she's had seasons as we all have of like doing or not doing in and out, but um, there is a studio currently in her basement um, and she is still an artist as well um, as an educator. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about like what she's up to these days and um, what that looks like. Well, um, I got inspired by one person in a gathering saying the word destination. And I just thought, wow, destination could be on so many levels from spiritual to geography, to education, to whatever. So I started fooling around with maps and um, then and adding watercolor markers, whatever, to the maps. And they've been, I've been really happy with them and they people have liked them. So that's like the latest thing. And I have a El Horshack Instagram account that some of the maps are on and stuff. So yeah. anyhow, um, it's, I've always done artwork, even when I was busy with my own children and my students. And it might be something as simple as making an exemplar for them, but I just, you know, it was keeping my hands in it. And so that was always important. Yeah. So. Uh, do you have a website or just the Instagram account? I actually stopped the website about two years ago because of the Instagram account. And, it's so much um, easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah. One show I had, the only way they would let my, consider me for a show was if I had a website. So after that show was over, I thought, do I really need another website? No, 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 so, anyhow, so yeah, Instagram. Yeah, I think that should be able to count enough as a website if you have a presence there. Ugh, but whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't know much about the gallery world, so I'm not going to presume to understand it. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, I, I just I feel really lucky. I'll say this again that you two are just such big 
women in my lives uh, in art education. And I, I feel really grateful to have both of you on together during this time to talk. Um, and I hope that we we elevated your voice enough, Lynn. Um, <laughs> uh, and I hope that Lauren, you felt seen as well. Uh, <laughs> it's weird to say seen on a podcast, I suppose, but I mean, we're on Zoom, so I see you. But uh, <laughs> I'm feeling heard, and I love that you brought that. We're gonna like use all here. Yeah, but um, I just I think Lynn, that you are a a force to be reckoned with in Philadelphia. Um, again, your your devotion to your students when you were a teacher um, is really what inspired me to stick it out in the school district. Um, as I was in a really tough school my first year, and um, I stuck with it the whole year. I I didn't step back, but I was able to get a different school um, closer to my house, which I like. It's not without its problems, but it's definitely an up and coming school. But I don't think I would have stuck with the district if it hadn't been for someone like you as inspiration to me. We're all white women here. So we should say that and let people know who we are, right? We are white women who most of us didn't grow up in the city as far as I know, right? Lauren, you didn't grow up in this. You did grow up in the city. I did. I grew up in Olney. Okay. My bad. It's okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I thought right. you were like, born and raised. <laughs> all right. Well, Lauren's from the city. I am not. I'm from the South. Uh, and, and so, you know, this world uh, was really different and new to me. Um, so seeing like Lynn can do it, I can do it. <laughs> right. You can. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just, I just want to add, you can do it, Leslie. I did it. Lauren does it because we love what we do. If you don't have that factor in there, you might as well get out of teaching completely. But, you know, when you love what you do, it helps you get up in the morning, you know? Absolutely. You can't get into this job just because you need the paycheck. That's for sure. You have yeah. to really have a passion for it, especially in a a, a place that has more social emotional needs like an exactly. urban city does. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like we're in some senses, we often create our own little af affinity groups too. And we're like actively trying to decenter whiteness and um, paying attention to the voices who need to be at the table or, you know, we need to find, you know, like, I just think there's, um, there's good work going on here. And uh to name that we are white, <laughs> I think but we look like most art teachers, right? Like we're, yeah. we're a lot of yeah. white, <laughs> cis, female, heterosexual, like, you know, like just kind of the standard. Um, but uh, we're trying to do the work too. And, and I, I, I hope we're doing it well, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing I think is really special about the program at, at Moore is in it having moving towards the focus of inclusivity rather than just um, special needs. Like there, there are some special needs that are included in like trauma informed practices and whatnot. But um, I, I think that when you're in a city like Philadelphia and you're at a master's program, such as Moore's uh, and you have that topic of inclusivity with everything else that's happening in our racial reckoning of this world right now, I think that's really important that you have a program that makes it, seen and, and, and part an important part of the program to, yeah. to consider that and to, to move forward with anti-racist teaching. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Well, and I think if I can add just a little bit more to, um, 
the reason we choose to like have this long graduate degree name is because it holds us accountable too. Like there are lots of great, there are wonderful graduate programs here in Philadelphia, across the country that are doing good work, that have good coursework. Um, and so I don't want to suggest that like, I mean, Lynn probably won't let me say this, but like, <laughs> like we're, obviously we're the best in the whole nation. Like, you know, like I'm not going to say that, but um, folks are doing good work out there. We have amazing colleagues doing incredible work. And there's something about having that name that when folks see it, they automatically look to see if we're actually doing the work. And it's why we have an advisory board. Thank you, Leslie, for being on that. Um, that has as many voices at the table that we feel like should be included in those decisions. Um, but that name really, we have to step up. We have to do the work um, or else we look like frauds, you know. Um, so I think that's the reason we're, we're so specific about naming the work that we're doing it more too right and I should I should I should also mention yeah I, I don't mean to be exclusionary no, to, to any yet. of the other universities I, I myself teach at UArts as, absolutely as you yes. No, I teach a course at yeah. UArts for art education so totally. you know, and um, Tyler folks you know, <laughs> like everyone's doing really good work and I think there's yeah. um the benefits of a small college are that we can make changes like that I often talk with my colleagues at other institutions so like oh it's hard. like they're so there's so much above them often that they need to get through. They were, they're longing to do some of that work. They're actively doing it in their coursework, but um, at more, because it's small, we can kind of make big decisions quickly. Um, and we get to do that. So it's, yeah. it's a great benefit to us for sure. Yep. For sure. There's benefits to a small college. I, I would tell students when they apply that we don't let anybody slip through the cracks. Cause I know you, you know, <laughs> so. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lynn, is there, um, well, actually, I do have one more question for you, Lynn. Uh, I almost forgot. Um, I'd like to ask um, the fellows that we have on at the end of the podcast to share one tool in their toolbox, mm. whether real or intangible, that you could not have survived without. Huh. You should have given me a heads up on this. I one. know. I totally mm -hmm. forgot to give you a heads up. I can like edit some time down if needed, uh, if you need to ponder on that first. But, you know, I, I think it's simplistically, it's simple enough to say what I said before is that I loved what I was doing from my little kids all the way through my graduate students. I just loved it. And I think that comes across and people respond to that. So that's all I can say is that I'm passionate about what I did do. Yeah. That works. Is, is that passion. a tool? <laughs> that's a tool. I, you know, it's really funny. I was just thinking too, is that nobody yet has actually said a physical tool of some sort. No one was like my trapper keeper of amazing organizing <laughs> skills, whatever. Nobody has said that. It's always been something more, um, like spiritual or, uh, you know, soul centered in, in, in the way you approach education. Uh, yeah. And I think that that speaks a lot to who we are as art teachers, I think. Sounds like it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. Lord knows we have enough tools in our room. <laughs> well, Lauren and Lynn, I want to thank you so much for joining me for this uh what have we been together for about 45 minutes here uh, today? Uh, I appreciate you both joining me and speaking on behalf of art education. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. And yes. thank you, Lauren.
Thanks, Lynn. Always love seeing you. Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. It was really fun. And um, and I think really showcases the value of mentorship too, which we didn't quite touch on, but uh, oh, good gosh. point. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, this is a two-decade mentorship that I've had from Lynn, you know, like which is pretty incredible. And uh, I know she's mentored others along the way, but uh, I'm hoping we can get that practice up and rolling again for more people. It's pretty, pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe some goals for PAEA there on the horizon. <laughs> All right, ladies, well, enjoy your weekend. And I will see you at the conference October yes. 21st, the weekend of October 21st in Philadelphia at Moore College of Art and Design. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Ask a Fellow Podcast, and thank you to Lynn and Lauren for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this uh, format of the three of us chit-chatting it up, and we look forward to uh, you joining us next time. Until then, make sure to mark your calendars for the PAEA conference the weekend of October 21st in Philadelphia at Moore College of Art and Design. You can find more information at paeaconference.org. That's right, paeaconference.org. And also our website, paea.org. Both very easy to remember. And be sure to check out our social media on Instagram and Twitter at paeartedd. Until next time. Stay creative.